0: Welcome to Queer Sounds, a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. This is the third artist in a row, the one, the only, Polina Vo. Um, You are also a big uh, Inbox Zero person, right?
1: (laughs) Definitely, to a fault.
0: (laughs) All right. Um, And, you know, I was kind of wondering, I was getting curious when thinking about that because uh, you're also a little bit of a techie person, I wonder... To what extent the Inbox Zero um, lifestyle influences your day-to-day? Because I'm thinking, you know, someone who would like Inbox Zero might also be into time tracking and other little (laughs) bit of productivity tools. Is that a correct assumption?
1: You're like basically giving my whole um, day-to-day life. Like that's my MO, 100%. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I... Excuse me. Yeah, I uh, I do time track. This is embarrassing. I can't believe you totally called me out on it. Um, I have a another tool that I've actually been using to track my time, and, like, every week, I look at it in, like, a pie chart and a, like, bar chart view. It's amazing. Oh, good Lord. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a lot, <laughs> and I'm sharing that, and thank you for making me share it.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, you're talking to at least the only person in my direct environment who you know uses a time tracker so um, I'm, I'm glad we can share this 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 experience
1: it's uh really actually just time trackers anonymous is actually what this entire conversation is going to be about <laughs> we need to <laughs> discuss why we feel the need to do this um
0: we have hilarious. been recording for two minutes and 14 seconds um just <laughs> just tracking the time no um <laughs>
1: <laughs> Where we talked about time tracking.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I started doing it two and a half years ago just to try it out, and I never really stopped. I'm actually not tracking time right now because I'd like to limit it to weekdays. How about you?
1: Same. I, um, I'm glad you said that. I do it for specifically when I am at work and then also sometimes when I work in music, like writing songs, producing, you know, things of that sort, or at least block out my time because, you know, you can really, you really let yourself yeah. go. when you're doing all those creative things. So I try to just, as a test for myself, like a weirdo, um, I I track my time for that reason. But my God.
0: So at the end of the day, you look at your your time tracker app and you think, ooh, writing this song took me about an hour and a half.
1: I don't, you know, it takes the magic out of it, (laughs) really. But, you know, I mean, it's fine. We all have our things. That just happens to be my thing. And that's still... Totally... I have had to, um, to your point, though, like, I've had to, like, control it a little bit more because it is weird <laughs> to other people. And so I, like, I promised myself I wouldn't do it a ton. And yeah, so I'm with I right. I'm mostly am I'm doing it with work these days.
0: So. Okay, but... um. It, it... With the listeners right now, all they know is that you're called Paulina and that you time track. <laughs> well, I go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit more.
1: Yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Paulina. Um, yeah. Uh, I am a singer-songwriter, producer in Brooklyn. Um, I am, you know, I'm out here in Brooklyn just trying to hustle and make them. No, I'm just kidding. I, I'm just out here and uh, really excited to be here. Yeah. Um,
0: what are your pronouns?
1: My pronouns are she and her, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's I, it's, I'm keeping it simple these days. You know, it's also it's also just me uh, knowing that we're gonna get real deep today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, before before we dive into all of that deep, deep conversational stuff, let's start with track number one. A flashback to the nineties, Bone Sugs and Harmony, The Crossroads. Boom, 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 boom. Now tell me what
2: you're going to do when it ain't nowhere to run. When judgment comes with you, when judgment comes with you, judgment, tell me what you're going to do when it ain't nowhere to hide. When judgment comes with you, because it's going to go. Plant to heaven, follow the Lord on 24 7 days. God is who we pray, even though the devil's all up in my face, but it keeping me safe and in my place. Say, curse, the race, what I've changed to face the judge, and I got my soul in the book. Grudge, because there's no much of a thug. Ooh, what can I do? It's all about the family and how we grow. Can I get a witness? Let it unfold. We live in our lives, so to eternal soul. Hell, And we're praying, we're praying, we're praying, we praying. Every day. Follow me, Rose Stroh Weather is taller than 7 Guns, we're taking visit to the people that's no long gone nearest Wally, he's a it, boo instead of keeping up of a family Exactly how many days we can last it Were you laughing? We're passing, passing the way We're gonna raise our souls Cause I know I'ma meet you up at the car road Y'all know if I ever got love with them both those babies a track from got you lean on we pray, we pray, and we pray, and we pray. Every day, every day, every day, every day. And we pray, we pray, and we pray, and we pray. Every day, you and
0: the cross, cross, go ahead explain why did you why did you pick this specific track
1: wow yeah so i um fun fact i didn't speak english until i was six or so so um i i think about this time of my life and i'm like wow did i really even know what was going on like could i even listen to the lyrics of the song and actually um comprehend it um i didn't know what the theme was like i just was like, I just really like this melody and this, like, vibe. Um, But my sisters, who are older than me, um, really loved the song. It was really popular at the time, so I think I just heard it a lot. Um, And the memory is distinctly, like, I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico, when I was younger, and I don't know. It just brings me immediately back to this era where I was just, like, this Little kid listening to Bound Thugs and Harmony, and I don't know, the song just constantly brings me back there, and I think a lot about just my experience as a, a tiny little a- you know Asian kid trying to speak English and uh, loving this Bound Thugs and Harmony. I yeah, it's such a weird memory. I, I immediately think of like the desert and the business that my family owned and the house that I lived in and the rocks that I played with. Like I, this song just completely takes me back to that time. Yeah, that's kind of why I picked it. And I loved it. And I still love it. I think it's a dope song. So
0: did music play a big role in you learning English as a kid?
1: Wow, that's a good question. I think, to an extent, yes. I, I did sing a lot of Vietnamese karaoke when I was that age. Um, I was going to choose one of those songs, but I actually like barely remembered the ones that I used to sing. Um, I think I definitely... I definitely did, you know. I sing also a bunch of Spice Girl songs. Like, I definitely did start kind of really getting into pop culture. I think that's like how I would describe it in my head um, versus being like, oh, I utilized it to learn language, right? Like, I just was like embracing pop culture, U.S. pop culture. That's like how I would describe that, which I hear from a lot of people who learn English, right, as a second language. Like, that is usually the gateway drug. <laughs> It's like learning your favorite pop song. So, um, yeah, I've put some thought into it.
0: Yeah, it's like you start singing along to it phonetically without even realizing what the words are. And from there, you kind of start developing a sense of, wait, do these words actually mean things?
1: Oh, 150% a hundred and fifty percent to the point where sometimes people will be like, "Oh, do you remember that movie we watched as kids?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, totally." And they're like, "You remember this scene and like the character said this quote?" I'm like, "I do not remember that. Like, I don't remember specific words or like meanings. I just know like feelings, you know." So I a hundred percent agree with you. It took me a while to be like, "Oh shit, that's what that song is about." <laughs> and and then me just like reflecting on that and being like, "Man, I just, <laughs> mm-hmm. troubled kid, you know, troubled <laughs> kid."
0: I'm trying to think of what songs that could have been for me because, you know, English is my second language as well. And I'm thinking, I'm not entirely sure. I think it boils down to one or two options. The first one to pop into my mind would be, like, Hakuna Matata or something like that.
1: Oh my god, I love that.
0: And the other option would be Don't Say You'll Love Me by M2M. Oh my
1: god, M2M. Um, I love that So song. what was... That- what
0: um, was the track that specifically uh is there a track that made you think yes this I love music now this is my Oh my god the, the doors to heaven have opened
1: So I guess along the same vein of just like 90s R&B I used to love Babyface so weird like I we are ch- babies in this era like how would I like <laughs> Babyface I just like distinctly remember I don't even know the song. I just know the video and like, I just was so into just the way it felt. And then I really enjoyed like, there's a few other nineties, um, R&B songs that I really like, but in particular, like that genre, I don't know if it was because my sister listened to it. I don't know, you know, if I was just exposed to it, but it like (laughs) moved me as a kid. It's so weird to say that. Um, but yeah, that that's another one that I can remember. Um, there are a few other, like TLC I loved right. um, as well, of course. And like Waterfalls, I remember singing that as a kid, just over and over again watching that music video. Like, ugh, I loved TLC.
0: So, you know, you were aware of music at a very young age. Is that, what what, what age are we talking here?
1: Oof, yeah, three or four probably. I started with the Vietnamese karaoke <laughs> and then quickly... <laughs> quickly went into 90s r&b um yeah definitely uh i i I do just remember the the vietnamese karaoke and i remember like my family would think it's super cute and they're like oh paulina come here and sing the song for a (laughs) guest um
0: because it was adorable so do you come from a very musically involved family
1: not really, um, despite that. I mean, yes. Okay, hold on. Let me let me give credit what credit is due. Um, the story I tell a lot is that, like, my... I didn't find this out until I was, like, 10, but my dad played um, bass in a Beatles cover band in, like, the 1960s, 50s, um, in Vietnam, which just sounds like the coolest thing in the entire world. Um, he tells me, though, like we literally just like played cover songs together and maybe had one gig do not use this as your source of music truth um and uh my sisters though did both play violin so they both played in the orchestra and like one of my sisters was first chair and you know I learned violin because they simply you know because they were playing it um but yeah my mom like wasn't really musically inclined all I know is that there must be a history right because that's usually how that works and I've had voice teachers be like, "Oh, who else sings in your family?" And I'm like, N- "Literally no one. Like I am the only one." And she's like, "Well, there's someone. There's someone back there. I'm just letting you know. Genetically, this doesn't just happen. Like, you know."
0: Um. So, what when you started taking vocal lessons? When was that? Also, like at a young age. Like when did you start making music?
1: Um, I didn't take vocal lessons until I could pay for them myself. So that didn't happen until. Yeah, until, like, 18 or so. Um, But I did start making music. I wrote, like, my first song when I was 8. It was terrible. Um, I started playing guitar when I was 10. I did not get better at guitar until I was, like, 14. Um, So that's, like, that piece of it. And I just wrote a bunch of songs, man. I was just so emotional (laughs) and, like, very much just trying to write all the time the things that I feel.
0: Is there a specific... Uh, artist that made you realize like yes i want to do this as well this is so amazing
1: the spice girls (laughs) no fucking lie (laughs) i literally heard say you'll be there and i was like i love this song. (laughs) not wannabe for some reason say you'll be there was my song i remember like looking at the cd cover right like you know the album jacket and just like obsessing over like these different women you know like representing this group and like what their voices sound like on the album and who's singing what verse and like you know you can start kind of identifying that and uh I just remember being like oh my god I can like sing for a living <laughs> like that was my immediate thought at like five or six
0: like wow that's an option
1: yeah I was like wait like this is a thing that people get paid for I'm pretty sure my sisters you know probably said something to tip to t- 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 me off um but that was it it was locked it was locked in at that point i was like that's it that's it i just want to do this forever okay thanks
0: how did your musical taste develop like over time so you were you were very much into the 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 90s r&b and and, and pop type of realm how how has it changed in the let's say 15 years since then or like 20 years maybe even uh
1: so i didn't really listen to like rock music despite like or not despite outside of like the Beatles right like I knew about the Beatles obviously oh because my dad loved them at that point so I did know that but he likes like the old stuff right like the 50s stuff um
0: right the quarrymen instead of the Beatles
1: type of stuff yeah exactly (laughs) and so I didn't know about like rock at all until I was in middle school so like I mostly was just listening to pop music R&B a little bit of like European dance because that was big back then and my sisters loved it and then I remember I just had a friend who was, like, really into A Perfect Circle. <laughs> and she was like, oh, you play guitar? Like, you should learn some A Perfect Circle songs. And I was like, what is A Perfect Circle? And she was just like, oh, my God, like, you don't know this. And then she introduced me to Kitty. So I went through a little bit of that and, like, started listening to all of this, like, I guess you would call it probably new metal at that point. Metal. I don't know. I, I don't remember that gen- what the genre was back then.
0: Yeah, the the realm of, like...
1: Tool and uh, what have you in that area? Oh, God, Tool. Loved Tool. So into it. Like, just very much. And so, yeah, I started deep diving into that. And this is around the time, by the way, that, like, we were still using Napster, you know, and LimeWire. So I went on a binge. Right. (laughs) I just started downloading all this music from all these different bands and, like, looking up alternative music charts, you know, on Billboard.com, you know, back then. And... Just like trying to get a sense of what rock music was. And uh, yeah, so from there, I started exploring. I remember just like realizing there was like singer-songwriter music. And that was whew, when that happened. Because Michelle Branch was out here, you know, doing her thing. And everyone was like, oh, you're like Michelle Branch. And I was like, oh my god. um, I, st- I love her now. I, I still love her. Uh, so yeah, I started going down that path. And from there... I did like, like, Blink-182, right, and Sum 41, because that was, like, pretty popular back then.
0: Ah, uh, yes, the 2003 Napster era. <laughs>
1: exactly. Um, I guess that, like, bred that part of me that was really into, like, this, like, pop-punk stuff. Um, but, you know, I think, as per usual, high school was the big exploratory genre situation, right? You start listening to everything. Hip-hop, like, wasn't that big in where I lived at that time. Right. So that was weird and I don't know if that was just that era of like 2000 to 2006, 2010 but all I know is that everyone I knew listened to like some sort of rock or pop, right? That was like those genres. So that and really dove into like the deeper singer-songwriter stuff like obviously Death Cat for Cutie, Iron and Wine and like the indie really got into like Hot Hot Heat (laughs) and like this like math rock band called the joggers still love them um french kicks right just start going down the indie rock route um
0: right so with that um if you if you're saying you're you're going down all these different routes with all these different artists like how did you go about them did you actively just put on whatever Chart, uh, you had, and then download each individual track and listen to all of them and kind of filter through that because it sounds like a lot of work and a lot of potential viruses. Uh,
1: you know, you know, we've uh, all been there, we've all been there. Uh, um, but, oh man, music discovery back then was so different, right? Um, right, such a weird time. So I used to go to the record store, like, back then, right? And and literally, like, look at album covers and just, like, buy the album or go home and download it. Or, like, listen to the album at the store. So I did a lot of that. And then I would go home and legally acquire or... A choir, a song. Um, So I wasn't really downloading like these full lengths, especially if it wasn't popular because it would be hard to find anyway, right? So that's basically what it was. And I was just consuming so much music and feeling really emotional about it all the time.
0: (laughs) And then at some point you developed your own taste in music. You decided, yes, I'm going to be an artist as well. And you moved to New York um, like without making any obvious Uh, References to the Wombats here. Do you have a soundtrack to that?
1: Oh my god. Okay, there is one song. Wait, I didn't prepare for this. No kidding. There is (laughs) a song um, by uh, Death Cat for Cutie called "Marching Bands of Manhattan." Right? Is that right? Man, I heard that song my senior, well, whenever senior, junior year of high school, and I like loved that song so much. I would listen to it on the way to school, and I don't know something about that song. Like, I still listen to it now, and I'm like, man, it's so like. They like capture the this like glitter, you know, kind of feeling of like seeing the skyline and like being in this in in this place. I don't know; it's like a morning song to me.
0: It's like the uh, making being starry-eyed, like audible.
1: That's such a wonderful way to put it. It really felt feels that way, and it's like, yeah, that that was a big one for me. And then, lol. You know what I did do? I just loled in person. Um, I did listen to. Uh, the Alicia Keys Jay Z like New York song as I was coming into New York, of course. Uh, not even Frank Sinatra. Not Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Straight for Alicia Keys. Um, I did. I think to- that's fairytelling telling for our age. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. I know. And so as as I was flying into New York, I, I was listening to that song, and I was like, wow, that these are my two soundtrack songs for this move.
0: Um, has your uh, taste in music changed since you've moved? Ah! Eh. Has the city influenced what you listen to?
1: I like nodded my head yes very aggressively, but then I'm like really thinking about it. Um, yes and no. Yes in the way that like the prevailing genres I've already liked, just like you just go into even deeper discovery mode of those genres, right? And those subgenres. So yes, to an extent, Like I didn't realize how prevalent like this, you know, garagey punk indie scene was out, you know, in Bushwick at the time. And then I would just go to all these shows, you know, and I was just like, wow, this is all amazing. And this is all here and everyone's indie and like, wow, you know, so I really got into that kind of mode and, you know, continue to love just like this, like underground ish kind of like indie punk kind of sound and I didn't realize it was so specific to Brooklyn at the time like I just was like oh I love it and then hip-hop like I've always loved hip-hop so it was nice to be in a place that really appreciated hip-hop versus like where I lived prior to that and man just loved it so yeah I would say like those two genres in particular I think living out here very much influenced that Um, and then also I got into musical music because I don't know why I wasn't really into it before, but obviously living out here, like met so many people that love musicals, like came out here to be, you know, a theater person and and do the thing. So I got introduced to a lot, a lot more of that, that I hadn't really listened to before.
0: So you, you, you mentioned your, your love for hip hop, but, um, I feel like uh, other than uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony earlier in this episode, like, and maybe Jay-Z as well, but I feel like it, it just kind of pops up and isn't, <laughs> and, like, I felt like it was missing for a lot of the other stuff that we've talked about. Why do you think that is?
1: Oh, I definitely, oh, there's a lot there. Do you want me to really dive into that? Because I got, I got a whole spiel about it. Take it
0: away. I'll cut you off as soon as we run out of time.
1: <laughs> for seven hours, um <laughs> the time tracking says um <laughs> uh I moved from so I moved a lot and I moved from Orlando, Florida when i was i lived there for like eight years or so. I moved to Arizona, and when I lived in orlando like i the genre that's like really prevalent in f- that part of Florida and maybe just that time." was like hip hop R&B pop blah blah blah. But when I moved to Arizona, like it was just so rock and like metal and hardcore and indie. And like people would make fun of me for liking hip hop or people would just say shit like rap sucks. <laughs> and I'd be like, "Do you even know? Like what do you mean rap sucks? Like what does that even mean? Like what is rap to you?" Um so obviously there's a bit of, you know, race involved in this situation i'll just fucking say it
0: like yeah you just moved to a more white environment like
1: an only white environment basically um you know i did struggle with i mean i think a lot of us do at that point in time but yeah i definitely struggled with my identity like i'm coming from a place that despite florida being florida uh when i lived in orlando i lived in like I was low income growing up. So I lived in a neighborhood that was like pretty diverse. And like the school that I went to was super diverse. And I just grew up in in this world. And so when I went to Arizona, I was like, everyone is white. Mm I was like, what is happening here? And uh, it's just a little bit of that weird reverse culture shock, right? I'm like kind of this, you know, low income kid person of color coming through uh into this world so I I just try to assimilate as best as I could I mean don't get me wrong obviously like at that point I had already started exploring like you know the genre in general and I do still love indie rock and and all that but there's definitely a bit of a complicated relationship with indie rock as a person of color I think everyone kind of knows that and like it is a very white genre (laughs) and uh So, yeah, I think that definitely influenced that. But I still listened to hip-hop a lot. Like, I was really into Jurassic 5 and, I guess you would call it, like, intellectual, conscious hip-hop. But it didn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, I could tell people I listened to rap music and they would still say that I was, you know, whatever they want to say. So, yeah, that definitely influenced it. So, when I came back to the East Coast, came back to New York, I was like, wow, fuck, thank you. (laughs) Like, I'm so glad I can, like, love hip-hop again. You know, like, it just was really amazing to be able to talk about it and like care about it and learn so much more about the genre in general and like the history and and, and meet some incredible people who really just know a lot about it and that's really what happened.
0: I think that's a very powerful um, image of where you live influences what music you listen to
1: yeah.
0: It's very telling how you how you represent that entire situation kind of I'm not entirely sure how to describe it but with uh with with all of the indie rock bashing let's get into an indie rock track ish um <laughs> i'm just trying to build a segue here let's go for it um something has to change by the japanese house released 2020 off of AEP, EP uh if I remember it correctly it's called Chewing Cotton Wool
1: yes 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 I love that title
0: Ooh, why
1: it's so abstract to me a little bit and also just so accurate and like oh, I can feel it in my teeth you know like I literally am just like and I'm like man what a vibe <laughs> I'm like man <laughs> they're just out here just throwing out this vibe on this EP and it's just it's it's so wonderful um honestly that's it that's why i like it a lot you know why
0: did you pick this track specifically
1: i mean i really love the japanese house in general um their story and and kind of what they their music discovery journey is really cool um but they work with um i don't want to say it wrong but i believe it is the guitarist from the 1975 and like i love the 1975 and honestly was like really looking for another band that kind of shared the same um, sound came across the Japanese house. And literally, I think I've listened to this both album all albums on repeat, like too many times to count. Um, so I picked this song in particular because it's kind of fun. Like the rest of their work is a little like super serious and very emotional. I mean, the song's also emotional, but I love the vibe of just like this dancey track over just some s- somewhat sad lyrics and the production on is really cool um there's like a transition so the japanese house sings with i guess you call it like a vocoder Mm -hmm. and they sing with it live and and they do the whole thing
0: a vocoder is the thing that makes your voice sound funny
1: it sounds funny it adds harmonies it does basically whatever effect you want it to do um right
0: yeah kind of give it that robotic twist too
1: exactly and it's like almost too perfect you know which is also really cool Mm -hmm. and uh i read an article they said that like They did that because they were really like subconscious about their singing voice um which is always really interesting to me because i'm like you sound amazing (laughs) but yeah in the song like there's a transition after like the second verse i think it's like the third verse um where they kind of like shift it's like they shift the pitch just enough to make it sound a little bit different and a little weird a little bit more masculine and uh I don't know, I just think that's really, really interesting that suddenly in the middle of the song they kind of make this transition. Um, I'm sure it means a lot more than I'm you know, reading into. But the rest of the song is fun. I don't know. I like to dance to this one. It, it, that's the other piece of it. It's just like an enjoyable song, but it also has all these really dope details in the production that it's just like, yeah, you, know, you got to appreciate good production and be like, I know you spent some time on that.
0: All right, yeah. So I, I, I did some digging uh, with uh, on The Japanese House because, you know, sometimes people specifically pick their Queer Artists of the Week based on, you know, their experience with gender or, because, or their experience with sexuality. And I was kind of wondering, out of the Japanese house queer experience, like, do you latch on to the gay experience, the gender presentation experience or the poly experience more?
1: You read the story about how they came up with their name. Um, Isn't that like because like...
0: they went like, on a holiday somewhere?
1: They would go on a holiday and there was a Japanese house and like they would pretend like, you know, they were a boy from another, you know, place and imagine like their house and or imagine like living in this house. And then that just became an identity. I think that's so fucking cool (laughs) and like very much like a really wonderful thing that I think a lot of kids working through any of those things you named kind of like eventually goes through in their personal life like when I was younger okay to answer your question sorry to answer your question I think the queer piece is important for sure um the use of of pronouns in music is very interesting to me because it is so heteronormative and I enjoy when I can listen to an artist that is obviously like defying that right so that's first and foremost but that applies to a lot of queer artists obviously the the gender piece of it is really interesting because when i was younger i um i was always like oh i hate being a girl i think maybe a lot of young girls maybe go through this i don't know maybe not um i hated it i wanted my hair to be cut short like and my my family would be like you want your hair short all the time like you're not a boy you know like this thing. Right. And I don't know how to even explain this. I don't think I've even explored this enough on my own. And so I spent kind of my life being like, oh, that's funny. That's weird. <laughs> and I realized eventually I was like, oh, I'm queer. That's probably why <laughs> like, I may have just been trying to like identify it up until even college. I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm just like one of the girls that have a lot of guy friends. Like I was so annoying. And I think about that now like you know obviously in the last decade I'm like wow there's a lot going on here Mm (laughs) Paulina I
3: was
1: like there's a lot to unpack between like you as a child wishing you were a boy and then like you as a you know teenager thinking you're more masculine but then like having problems with your femininity there's just a lot going on (laughs) in this entire journey up until now Um, and I don't know why the Japanese house speaks to that for me but um, I do feel those feelings when I listen to all of their work so that's Really interesting question, but it is a hundred percent. Once I heard that story about why they came up with that stage name, I was like, Oh my god. I immediately thought of myself when I was like four, kind of having that conversation.
0: How do you experience gender now?
1: Wow, tough question. Um
0: I know, right? Most people the fun part of the question, like people don't think about it until I ask that question. They're like, Holy shit, I don't even know. Same thing goes with uh with, with Amber from the Japanese house themselves. Like Uh, thinking oh i just like wearing backward caps because i'm gay but wait now gender also is part of the equation i don't know what to do with this
1: yeah (laughs) a hundred percent i mean i think fluidity is obviously like the thing and it's really important and i i'm so thankful that this is we're living in an era where we can really even fucking say that publicly (laughs) without you know getting ridiculed or, or being looked at funny nothing is uh I can't put a period on anything right like nothing is solid I I couldn't say that like I won't feel differently in a couple of years but for right now like very comfortable in kind of like me presenting female and and identifying as such and like I might be I don't know I guess a little bit more masculine or whatever and whatever that means you know and that's fine you know so I I don't know I'm much more comfortable in it now and uh but who knows that might change. Right. We we don't know. I feel like
0: you're 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 pretty hesitant talking about it, maybe because it's so vague and uh, ever changing.
1: It is vague. It is very vague.
0: Um, is there? Uh, you, you said you very strongly feel uh, different emotions uh, based on with your gender, based on the music you listen to. Like, is that does that change, or is that just because of this specific artist who really makes you feel like? pinpoint your 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 own experience
1: Mm. wow i'm just thinking about like like savage by megan the stallion and i listened to that song and i'm like i am savage (laughs) and i feel very feminine listening to that song you know and 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 love what her as an artist too like represents i don't feel super aligned with it right like sometimes i'll hear a song by an artist that presents extremely feminine and be like uncomfortable not uncomfortable by, but i'd be like i can't really relate to this like i'm not really a big fan of like oh my god people are gonna hate me for saying this but not saying i'm not a big fan obviously i very much um respect it i'm not like the biggest like lady gaga fan i'm not like the biggest like ariana grande fan and and i use those as examples because i don't usually find myself like being fully into that those artists and 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 that the way they present themselves in music like ariana grande's what what is it two albums ago now <laughs> that song like i'm bored break up with your girlfriend or whatever i'm like i don't relate to this but i mean it could just be the subject matter but that entire album some of it's amazing thank you next is awesome but yeah i just listened to those pieces and and like I'm just like, no, I just this doesn't do it for me. Um, Whereas I have friends who are like, oh, my God, I fucking love this song. Like, you know, I totally relate to it. I'm like, what are you even talking about? Okay. So, yeah. So I would say, like, on the spectrum, that. But, yeah, there are other songs and other artists that I'm just like, on on that same field, playing fields. Like, yeah, I don't know.
0: Is there a specific uh, track where, or, like, a specific artist that makes you feel represented? You know, that's
1: hard for for. Us Asian Americans out here.
0: Mm-hmm. That that's that that would have been my very segue into the race subject. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, it's like you do this. Um, no, um, I think to an extent, Rina Sawayama is definitely doing it up for us. And I say us as like a <laughs> global Asian population. I loved her album. I think she did a really stellar job at really jumping genres and and putting it out there and I appreciate that and it's so telling of just like her and her upbringing and her bicultural like multicultural identity and like I very much feel that and then like Mitski you know Mitski's amazing wow man you're your best American girl like was just I cried so much when I listened to that song like it literally just somehow like perfectly encapsulated every single thing I felt growing up about like being attractive or not, because I was Asian, you know, I, those two artists for now, obviously, there's a a bunch of other up and coming artists that I'm like, dope, 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 love what you're doing. But definitely Asian American artists in particular, lately, have been like a big positive influence on not only the community, but obviously me as an artist, it shows that Asians can be multidimensional. We're not just, you know, whatever stereotype you want to throw on us. And um, I love that.
0: Is that also uh, what you were trying to bring to the table as an artist? Like, yes, I I want to be part of Asian American representation here.
1: Definitely. From the get-go. I always wanted to, like, put it out there. I didn't really lean into it as much until I got a little bit older. Because when I was in Arizona and just, like, a singer-songwriter, it was very different back then. Because people would just be like, you're Michelle Branch. I'm like, oh, good God be like first of all rude second of all like i would just be no i again respect to her but definitely way more prevalent these days and i don't mind talking about it anymore
0: what what, what's the dream what do you hope to achieve by by being out there as an artist
1: in in talking about that like you know i grew up with like with no one to really feel like oh i look like that person that person looks like me right like when you're younger and you want to be a pop star because do don't y'all uh, when you're younger and you want to be a pop star you look at magazines and and like I didn't see myself represented right at all and for a very long time you know you're just like it's impossible like this is just like too big of a mountain to climb like no one understands this and like how am I really supposed to do it like you know you you hear all these best practices about artists coming out here and like being yourself and being vulnerable and like that's what attracts people and like your brand and I'd be like yeah but fuck like, I have no one to, like, even point to, you know, if you want to talk about brand, you know. And at this point, I, I think, like, something that kind of always sums it up whenever it happens. Like, I'll do shows sometimes or, like, you know, oh, whatever it may be. Like, usually when I'm doing shows, there's sometimes, like, this one Asian person, like, usually an Asian woman in the crowd who comes up to me after and is like, wow, I'm so glad you're you're doing this because it makes me feel like I can do it too. And like for the handful of times that an Asian kid has ever said that to me, that like literally is everything to me because especially like a Vietnamese American, like we're not out here. <laughs> There's, you know, very, very few Vietnamese artists. Um, there are amazing ones. Don't get me wrong. We're not on the Billboard charts. Like we're not really like super out there yet. And yeah, I just hope that me doing the thing is like, even if it's the two people, you know, the 10 people, however many people that, that I've uh, spoken to, like, that's really why I'm out here doing this and that's why I think it's important. Just to show that it can be done and uh, encourage others to do it.
0: Is your um, experience being an Asian American also represented in your music or like in your lyrics?
1: I think more so now, like in the last decade or so than, than before. And I've leaned into it a lot more. I think for a while, I was like, what do I say? You know, I'm like, do I talk about like very specifically how like I grew up eating X food and like then I would go to school and then eat X other food or get made fun of like it doesn't need to be that specific. I think the really cool thing about writing music is you can like have this intention behind it. Right. And people who know. Or people will interpret it however they want, obviously. But I think anyone who... I mean, honestly, just like how I feel about... And and it's just relevant, like the Japanese house. Like, I interpret it in a much stronger way because I know their background, right? So I think that that's really what it comes down to is if anyone can identify with me, great. And then they hear the music and they're like, wow, totally, great. (laughs) But, you know, and if not, it's not. But... uh. I know that was like a really roundabout answer to your question, but I, I think that's just right now, currently, that's where I'm at. Th- there's some upcoming songs for sure that really like get more specific. But for now, I'll say that with what's out there.
0: Let's dive into the best life experience for this episode. Um, a track called Lasso by Phoenix. from France played on, on this show here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a cool first, um, if it's not a first I stand corrected. But um, So yeah, off of the legendary Grabby winning album Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix, um, which uh, makes me think, if I do the math, you've seen them live February 1st, 2010.
1: Yes, maybe? Yes? Is that right?
0: I don't know. You said it was the night after the Grammys and the Grammys were January 31st, so I I I guess.
1: Amazing. It would be it would be literally it was literally the show in Phoenix the night right after. So yes, I'll say yes.
0: So, yeah, take us there. How was how was that experience? How was that?
1: Oh man. I mean, Obviously, at that point in time, we all loved Phoenix, mm-hmm. I was like that album is incredible, and uh, yeah, super excited for that show. Didn't even realize, you know, they were they were nominated, but you know, we, me and my friend Brent, we were like, we love Phoenix, like so excited for the show. Whew, that energy though, it was incredible. So it was, at, you know, this local venue, and it was sold out by the time we got there. Um, they were just like on fucking fire. Of course, I mean, they literally. the sunday night win the grammy you know and literally drive to phoenix arizona and here we are everyone was just so excited for them we were just singing every single lyric like it was such an energy i mean there's nothing like fully singing as loud as you can your favorite song with like you know the however many other thousands of people that are also doing it and just feeling so proud and and them just being like (laughs) i remember at one point they were like i don't know if y'all know but we want to fucking grab you last night. We were like, Wah! you know, like really just freaking out over it. And like the reason why it was special was because uh, specifically during Lasso, I've been to this venue, we've been to this venue a few times. Just like most venues, you have like that in between space between the stage, right, where security is. And then there's like obviously some sort of gate, right, to prevent people from hopping on stage and the lead singer uh he hopped off like three times which is fine that's normal (laughs) but during lasso okay this is like the funniest thing so during lasso I was like we were shouting the lyrics (laughs) and he jumped down from the stage and literally went to me and like held my face for like 25 seconds singing lasso to me (laughs) and I was like what is nice. happening <laughs> like why did he just come to me to sing this <laughs> song <laughs> um I just was like blown away and then that's it like he and then he like walked through the crowd and went back up stage and I was like what the fuck just <laughs> happened right now <laughs> and I was like oh my god and okay so this is so interesting too so it ties into like kind of everything we talked about like living in arizona i was uh in college i was just like struggling um with just my identity and like finding myself attractive and like all this shit and then for like the lead singer like i don't know he has no idea how important this was to me for the lead singer of this fucking band to come through and like literally cradle my face and sing this song to me was like oh my god i'm special in some way right like even despite him being who he is and like not remembering it at all i was like wow, I feel special. So that's partially why. And then the second thing that happened, though, at that point was that I was like, obviously, just truly, truly super happy about it. At the end of the show, they were like, all right, now everyone come up on stage. And like the, the security was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then you just see the entire crowd just like climb on stage, like uh, the few that could make it, you know, and, and they sang their last song with all these people on stage. And it just the energy was just incredible. And and that's why that's one of my favorite show experiences. Ugh. And they played perfectly like ugh. it was just everything. So I got that personal experience. But also the crowd fucking hopped on stage and it was just like, sick. yeah, you're just like, damn, this is amazing. Um,
0: I always love it when artists like kind of go rogue like that, like against all the security policies. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the security guys being like, <laughs> you know, seeing them do that. <laughs> also, like grabbing the instruments off stage. So obviously also they're like stage hands, you know, right, being yeah. like, oh, shit, you got to get all the equipment out of here. And then them, like, throwing everyone off stage as a result. Um, But, yeah. And so, funny story, too. I literally was like, did I dream this? I was like, did you (laughs) really, like cradle my I mean I was with my friend and he was like "Uh, yeah he did I was right next to you and it was lovely and amazing I was like "Yeah, I just is it a weird memory so I literally went on YouTube and I like searched for any video of this moment and I fucking found it no way you can't see me you see him jump off stage go into the crowd literally with his hand out and like singing to me for however long and then walking away and I was like that was me. And I sent it to my friend, and I was like, this is me, right? And he was like, oh, yeah, that was definitely... You think I don't remember that? And I was like, wow. So, yeah, I do have the video.
0: All right. You should you should send that over. We can put it in the show notes.
1: Oh, my God. It is,
0: it is too good.
1: It, it, the only unfortunate thing is you cannot see that it's me. But it's okay. I'll take it. I'll take any proof.
0: Right. Yeah. It's, 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 even... If, you know, people are huge Phoenix fans themselves, they can imagine it's them, and now they've got a very well-described very well described version of the story in which they can, you know, implement themselves, like, whatever. So do you, do you remember, like, your first ever concert?
1: No, I remember my first, like, stadium show. Like, I did see the Spice Girls back then, which was incredible. Wow. I know. Very lucky. <laughs> um... I mean, that's the first big show. I'll put it that way.
0: When we're talking about, you know, your, your own Polina foe shows, are we talking more into the direction of Spice Girls or more towards Phoenix?
1: <laughs> okay, definitely more towards Phoenix. Though I do want to incorporate more dance moves into my show. So. And maybe more like, uh, you know, What's with you so far? uh you know instruments (laughs) mainly but if it wasn't for the instruments you know it's all it's a free game um yeah definitely more on the other side for sure just more intimate and i play with a band now um they're fucking great so i really enjoy that and excited to get back and play more shows because i miss it
0: Yeah, don't we all i know I, a a little bit of a nerdy um sidestep that i wanted to make here is you work in the music industry which you know um i'm i'm, I'm a big sucker for nerdy shit like that <laughs> so i just i just gonna go and say it tell us about your day job oh
1: boy no uh, um for the first time am so excited to talk about that actually i'm not even being sarcastic um yeah so i work in uh, music publishing um and it's just dope <laughs> like I get to learn about the side of the industry that is very nerdy, uh, very specific, uh, requires many calculations and uh, accuracy. Uh, and some people do not like that. And it's uh, it's music admin. So it's not every musician's favorite thing to do because it's just so um, boring as is what i hear all the time
0: <laughs> um so what does music admin actually entail because you know if 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 i let my mind run on it for a little bit i suspect it would be you know getting an overview from radio stations and then calculating how much artist how much money should go to what artist based on airplay or something like that
1: on yeah that's also that's one of the ways yeah that's one of the things um all
0: right, cool. I
1: love what i <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, I yeah, very very base level for sure. And we're kind of we're on the receiving end of that. So, um, the company I work for is like a music publishing admin. So we're receiving whatever money is being sent to us from Spotify, from SoundCloud, from yeah, radio, um, you name it. Um, and then we're taking that in. I mean, I'm not. I have a t. Te- there's a team that does that. Uh, they take that in and and they uh, spread spread it around. I'm making this sound like not technical at all, but it is just a lot of spreadsheets. Um, and my role in particular, I directly like support the artists and the clients that we have. So it's a lot of like education and like teaching artists about music publishing and like where they can expect to get royalties and where, you know, they shouldn't and how they should organize their shit and uh to put it lightly and you know, why it's important. So yeah.
0: I mean the backside of like the like the behind the scenes of the music industry like that. Um, is there is there something you feel like oh there's so much that needs to, that needs to change here and you being in a position that you can do that maybe like how much can you can can you gear the spread streets towards less racism is basically what I'm trying to ask.
1: <laughs> oh my god yeah I mean that's <laughs> what a way to put that I love it. Um, that is a thing. I'll start at kind of like the top level of this thought. It's like the fact that musicians already aren't fully educated on like how they can get paid for their art first level, second level, the amount of musicians who are people of color and especially like the black and and, and like Latinx communities, like, and how those communities can be taken advantage of in the music industry, especially from the American standpoint, right? Yeah, it funnels down in that way for sure. And me and my team and our team being kind of on the other side of this, like outside of as a company wanting to be inclusive and representative and speaking up for, you know, oppressed folks, like there's one, but that's like a corporate side, right? That's like the front facing side. Internally being super intentional about like how, you empathize and like speak to people and work with them clients artists etc to understand what essentially their fucking rights are like i think on a very like day-to-day level it's like yeah it's frustrating it can be confusing yeah it sucks sometimes let's figure out like what you need to learn so that you can figure this out for yourself you know so there's no broad statement there it's just more of like being aware of the fact that like this discrepancy is there and like, how can you better the indie musician who's directly being impacted by that? And what do you do internally with your team to make sure that like they are getting paid or that their shit is together? No grand sweeping evolution, just day-to-day consciousness.
0: No, no black flags like in, in front of whatever big corporate <laughs> building. No, no guillotine. I mean, maybe that too, you know? <laughs> The revolution is inevitable.
1: (laughs) I think it's a little bit of both, maybe, (laughs) for sure. But no, I mean, talking about it and being vocal about it is also incredibly important. And, like, I'm very fortunate that the music industry, right, is generally pretty, like, forward-thinking to an extent. So I think especially for our team, like, we're very aware of the fact that, like, we are in this really interesting intersection of, like, giving the day-to-day artists more control and I, I think that that's a mission that we all care about
0: before we move on to track number four is there anything we have missed something you still want to mention
1: No, we really covered it all to be honest you really just for that transparency you really you really did guide me through some stuff you're right i was like <laughs> i was like yeah i want to touch on this and um and you really helped me get through that um
0: thank you i only pretend to know what i'm doing
1: i mean you know i think I touched on it you know I think the the other things I would normally touch on is just how important representation is and how important it is to support like indie artists and and the people that you really um connect with on on not just you know the the top artists out there but the indies it's so important and especially those who have a message and identity that you really care about like we all need it and it's just it's nice like even just when someone reshares a a song (laughs) it's such a small gift but um it isn't you know it means the world so if anything just aside from um some of the the stuff that we've already talked about just always encouraging people to support their their artist friends and uh the true true indies you know
0: um and then with track number four you decided to not go with a track of your own, but, uh, but, but, but but um you picked a track called Cinderella Part Two by Chica. Um why that one?
1: Chica is a new artist I just discovered, so I wanted to be um I wanna be true to that. Um and uh that song in particular first of all it's like the perfect like Just this R and B, just like feels song. That's how I describe this genre. Um, But in particular, I remember the first time I heard it. I was like, "There's a line. It's like Cinderella. You just you look like me." Um, I immediately was like, "Oh yes!" (laughs) Like again, you know, another queer artist just like really being out here. They don't even need to say it. They just have to say, "You look like me, Cinderella. You look like me." And I immediately was like. Like my heart, like just was like, oh my god, I can relate to this entire song for no reason, um, and I literally listened to it on repeat like eight times. So that entire just discovery of that song in general was just like such a magical thing for me personally, um, and I just love it. Also,
0: I also, I also like um, the symmetry you brought in here. Like you started with the melodic um, hip hop type of stuff and we're ending with it and in between we've got two two white indie songs like i really like that that, that symmetry
1: if i can put myself that's the whole story that's it that's all everyone ever needs to know about my musical <laughs> likes
0: okay but um with that let's get back to um supporting your indie artist friends because you too can do that by supporting this podcast on patreon.com slash sounds tell a friend um uh, share a link on twitter.com or wherever. Um, you can also give Queer Sounds a follow on twitter.com um, uh, by looking for at Queer Pod. Um, We use the same handle on Instagram and um, yeah definitely check out Polina Vo's stuff. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I'll, I'll put a link up on my Instagram and Twitter there as well. With that, uh, this has been Queer Sounds, and thanks again for listening. Here's Cinderella Part 2 by Chica.
2: you is different you're all that i'm missing i'm thinking about making you mine me i got used to the limelight spending my nights getting rhymes right being with you is the highlight lately i'm thinking the time's right don't want you anywhere else stay girl i need you right here to myself no one is better alone come and take part in the world then i know that you're leaving soon we're running out of time let's create our own reality and shift the paradigm Uh uh-huh sound like